0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out
1: circleofhope.net.
0: What do you guys think? Do you think, honest answers, okay? I don't really have much to say about it. I want to know what you think. What do you think about um, being smart and being a Christian, being faithful? Or does it help? I mean, do you have to be smart be a Christian? No, you don't have to be smart. Right. Obviously, you don't have to be smart, because a lot of us are, like, terribly, terribly. A lot of us are pretty smart, but I don't think anybody... Well, I take that back. Somebody in here might be super, super smart. Sorry, forget that. Everybody gets a redo today. (laughs) Maybe the better way to ask it is this. Does being smart give you a better chance at having a real life of faith? The smarts help. Does understanding help? Like understanding complex ideas or something, or having some, some kind of ability in your mind, does that help? I don't think does it hurt? I was, what do you think? I think? Let's talk about it. Yeah, I think um, I think Jesus made it pretty simple on purpose, right? Like He gave us the Golden Rule to sum it all up, and and that was kind of on point to make sure that. Whatever gifts you were given by God, if it's your smarts or athletics or whatever it is, then you can still follow just the same. I like that. I like how you thought about Jesus first and how did Jesus like teach,
2: right? Because a lot of
0: what Jesus says does... like, There's a way to understand it very, very simply, right? Right, very simply.
2: I don't think it's necessarily intellectually simply, though. Um, I think that it's more like simple in that it's universal. And it it can appeal to people at all the different levels of their intellect or experience. So it's like it's not it's not as it's not it might be specific but it's like uh, it's feely, you know, it gets into your heart. I like that too. It like starts out as a mustard seed for the very simplest and grows up, you know. Really big tree for, you know, every level like Ben said, I think that that's, you know, there's something for everyone in there. I
0: think there's this. Can you wait just a second and yeah. remember? Because, uh, I, because I want to say, yeah, like, I even see, like, people get smarter sometimes when they get faith. It's a weird thing, and I wouldn't expect that, honestly. But I've seen, like, people here, obviously I'm not going to say <coughs> who, but there's people who are, like, after I got to know them, and after they kind of grew up in faith, I was like, wow, like, they seem so much smarter than when they showed up years ago in a weird way or i don't know if it's smarts it's just they're maybe wiser is the word i don't know what what were you going to
2: say i was going to say that like gut intelligence is different from smarts and i think you don't need to be smart to like have that gut feeling um but i think smarts um i think it's like good and bad it's like it makes the wrestling harder but it also
0: makes communicating to someone else maybe stronger, and I. I, but, I but I think it makes the wrestling harder. So. Yeah, because we live in a, we live in an era where there's like a lot of um, things to know or ways to think, or yeah, there's a lot like, of stuff out there. Debating. Right, and okay. it's almost like yeah. you've got to consider all of it. Plus. Yeah following Jesus and compare following Jesus to everything else or something, right? To be, what, fair or truly smart yeah. or something, right? Okay. It's interesting. Pat, what are you gonna say? Um, before, I, um, before I met, before I became part of Circle Pope or I met those Circle Pope people, I was afraid that smart people, I couldn't be smart to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. You had to be dumb to be a Christian. And that smart people, once they became smarter, the educated, something, they gave their faith up. There's no way to do it. Well, you didn't pull that out of uh, nowhere, right? I mean, you saw probably saw that happen in the world or something, like people you know. Yeah, I thought, I thought so, and, and I just sort of figured for myself, you know, that uh, I had friends that were you know grew up in church and went to college and they gave up on their faith because they had a professor who told them that. Jesus is just uh, the Egyptian story recycled. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Common, common story. That was like the early two thousands too, Scott. That, that was like the eight, that was like the rise of the new atheists. You know. Oh yeah, those I remember that. Dawkins and uh, Daniel Dennett and the that you know those guys like Christopher Hitchens and all that and they were pretty much saying that it's, that it's uh, we've evolved past the need for religion now. Yeah, or that it's harmful.
2: Harmful. Yeah, that's even worse. I, in reaction, real quick to the new atheist, I would ask a different question: Do you have to be mean to be a new atheist? <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, it's a whole, there was that. Because there's opinion. a whole another spectrum. Is like, it, you know what? You know what makes it easier to be a Christian is if you're a naturally kind person. Mm-hmm. You might get it. <laughs> there are some people who are like, just
0: what are they? More. Their their kind muscle is better. It's just more developed or something, or they're just predisposed to kindness.
2: I think so. Yeah. One of
0: my kids is like this. This is very kind, gentle. My middle child is so gentle. It would never hurt anybody.
2: Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was looking at you. <laughs> oh, okay. I was looking at you. I was ready for the wisdom, man. Yeah? Um, well, I was thinking like. <clears throat> I don't even think with Jesus like that question really works, because I think with Jesus the intelligence is defined differently. Like I really think the way the world defines intelligence is what are you right about, what do you have the right answer about, and I (laughs) I think Jesus would say, "I don't." That's that's foolishness Mm -hmm. if you're defining, you know how intelligent you are by what you have the correct answers for.
0: That's kind of where I'm going. We're okay. going
2: to talk about some of that tonight. i that snap. Thanks, Justin. So you can see, like, like, okay, so, but
0: it's like a real thing, right? Like, some people, they're just, their minds might be sharper than others. You know, you know? like, I grew up kind of, I don't know, my parents thought, because I read early, that was a really big deal. You know, I thought it was real smart. Then it didn't take too long where I realized, wow, there's a lot of people way smarter than me um, in the world. I thought tonight we would would talk a little bit about that. It's kind of, you're right, it's kind of a dumb question. It's not really a a real even question, right? But um, I just thought it might stir up, uh, get us to think about how we, get us to think about how we think about these things, how we think about faith. so tonight, uh, I like I wasn't sure what to talk about, so I asked my cell what I should talk about. So I want to talk about what, what my cell said, and um, I want to talk about Peter a little bit, and I want to talk to you about uh, Peter in the Bible, one of Jesus' good friends, and I want to talk to you a little bit about um, a, a, one of our recent brothers, uh, Jesus' follower who passed last week. His name's Jean Benier, or Jean Venier we're not sure exactly how it's pronounced, but that's what I want to talk about um, tonight. So get into all that. I'm hoping you you'll have a lot to react to. Like that was great just now. I'm so glad we had heard all those voices. Um, so I'll need your help a little bit. All right. I'm thinking up Peter because because um, he's definitely like definitely not like the smartest in the group. I think right. He's kind of famous for this amongst the twelve uh, apostles. Twelve good friends of Jesus who were like we really see like, those were like the chosen twelve. Um, Peter's the one who's like what? What is he? I don't even know the word I would say. What is he? He's like it's not that he's dumb. He's not dumb at all. In fact, he probably gets a lot done in life. Um, bombastic. Bombastic. He like I wrote it down. He like kind of doesn't resist his first urges. He's one of those guys, right? Impulsive. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know if he thinks he's smart. He probably doesn't think smarts are too important. He probably thinks things are obvious. I don't. Know. I'm not sure. But you get into. I mean, we could probably some of you know what I'm talking about. You've read the New Testament a little bit, so you have a feeling for Peter, right? He like boom, reacts, right? Like right away. I think he's a good. I think he's a good saint for us. I think some of us are living there. I don't. I think some of us are just really bad at resisting our first urges. Uh, that's just kind of like one of the things that's around, right? And, um, yeah, I mean, that's me That's me too, right, somewhat. i talking to you guys about, um, we're in like this post-Easter season, and uh, we're talking about, uh, okay, we went through Lent together, and now there was Easter, and now what? Now, I've been um, wanting to tell you guys that this is a really good time to consider the big picture, right, <laughs> of what we're doing following the risen lord right what's that mean following the risen lord i i mention this because i want to return to this again because when i ask myself what do you guys think you need to hear not everybody in my cell comes to this meeting i think some of them don't really come to the sunday meeting at all so i was kind of interested in what they would think so what do you want to hear like when you go to the big meeting like what do you want to hear what do you think we need to be talking about what's up Are you reacting to something with that right now? I'd be curious. I would like to ask you too. But let me tell you about what my um, cell said. No, let's not. First, I want to tell you the story of Jesus, the risen Jesus. Um, One time when he appeared to his disciples. Maybe we can, can we act this out a little bit? Do we have enough? Yeah, we have lots of time. We're doing good on it. All right, let's act it out. I like to act it out. Okay? Okay. We're going to be, everybody here is going to be the disciples. We're going to need, um, we're going to need a John. Anybody volunteering for John? John's young. He never has a beard in the paintings. <laughs> and John, John's writing this and he's the one who's like, yes, John. John, you know what John calls
2: himself? It has to be Alex. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's yeah, the only definitely. man without a beard.
0: And also, John, John calls himself... The apostle who loves Jesus. Like I don't know what's up with that. Who John thinks he is a little bit with this, you know, <laughs> you know. But I think that's you. The apostle who loves Jesus. Okay.
2: And we're gonna need a Peter. Oh. I, uh, I like a woman, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. You're
0: not gonna resist your first urges. You're no? bombastic now, yeah. right? Okay. And uh, we need a Jesus. Sherry. Oh yeah, it was yeah, good. Yeah. Sherry, yes, Sherry. Okay, here we go. So Sherry, sorry you have to leave, but you can go. <laughs> You're, you can, you've left us. You're, you know, this is the risen Christ, so you know, not readily available all the time. Okay, you can like wait right at the door. Okay, here we go. So okay, let me set the scene. This guys, this is way after Easter, way after Easter
2: maybe years have
0: passed we're not sure right
2: no, yeah, into john 21 well according to the other chronologies it would have been okay. like within the 50 days at least 50 because no? 50 days is pentecost okay 50 but days but john could be a has long the chronology time. all jacked up so Does it? And, all right, and let's jesus, just go with it and right. jesus appeared to paul you know yeah yeah it's, well this is
0: <laughs> like you know that you know that huge thing you did that was like wow and it changed your life remember and then you then you came home and you're like ah Got to go to work on Monday. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so here's where we are. All right. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, yeah, <laughs> Thomas the twin, somebody, <laughs> Nathaniel, sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing! No, but it's it's not like hey I'm gonna go fishing. Remember what happened? Remember how bad that was? Jesus is Jesus died. People saw him. But like all that's over, and we're back in the hometown now. One more time. Go
2: ahead. I'm gone. <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
0: What do we do now? Back to work? I'm going fishing. And they said to him, you will go with you.
2: Oh, we'll go with you, (laughs) I guess. They went out and they got into the
0: boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, you caught nothing. You've been out all night and you caught nothing. Back at the old job, and it's not going so well. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you?
1: You have no fish, have you?
0: And they said, nah. Nah. So Jesus said to them, throw the nets on the other side. Throw the nets on the other side. (laughs) And you will find some. And you'll find some. Yeah, right. what right. the F <laughs> who is this guy <laughs> <You tried that>. <laughs> <laughs> these are not big boats by the way and this water we're thinking maybe this water is it's not very deep. this is okay so it was like oh yeah you, you know how to do this okay we've been at it all night so they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish that disciple whom Jesus loved. This is this is John. Where's our John? John said to Peter. It's yes.
2: Wait, what
0: is it? John said oh, to Peter. It's the Lord. <laughs> but come on, would you say it like that? Like, womp womp, no, it's no, the no, Lord. No, no, that's the Lord. There he is. What <laughs> what he it. Okay. <laughs> I've yeah, lived it alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He put on some clothes because he was naked. <laughs> yeah. <not> weird. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, and he jumped into the sea. Oh. <laughs> but the other disciples came in a boat dragging the net full of fish. But they were not far from the They're swimming
2: towards Jesus. They're only about a hundred yards off. Okay,
0: so now now we're all together. We're back. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, "Bring some of the fish you've caught."
2: Bring some of the fish you got.
0: So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish. (laughs) <laughs> I looked it up. These are like tilapia. Oh, really? No joke. They're tilapia something. Mango tilapia. They're called mango tilapia. Full of large fish. 153 of them. I S- love Specific, yeah. It, well, <laughs> this is written by somebody who fishes. Right. So they're saying, like, seven-pounder, dude, seven pounds, or whatever. You know, it, it, it never means something if, if you do that work. <laughs> Jesus said, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Jesus said, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. <laughs> now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the loaf. And he gave it to them. And he did it the same with the fish. Now this was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Do you love me more than these? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus says to Simon Peter, Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Yes, Lord. You Know I love you. Then feed my sheep. And feed my sheep. And again, a second time, Jesus asked. Do you, Do you love me? And Peter answered. Yes, Lord. I love you. And Jesus said to him. Feed my sheep. And yet a third time, Jesus asked Simon Peter. And Simon Peter is, like, frustrated
2: now. Yes, Lord, I love you.
0: (laughs) And this is what Jesus says. I'll just read it because we're getting long here. Jesus says, feed my sheep. I'm telling you the truth. When you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fashion a belt around you and take you where you don't want to go. And after he said this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. So how does that make you feel? Are you there? I, I try to act it out with you guys a little bit, even just a little bit so we get off the page a little bit and get into the relationships, because this is a relating thing, all right? I'm struck by the breakfast, I'm struck by the details um, of the charcoal fire, I'm struck by the hospitality, and uh, I don't know, this, this situation, I feel like oh, I've been here before. After a mountaintop kind of experience, coming back down to earth and like, you have to go on and do the next thing. I don't know if that's what my, my cell was thinking about, but when I asked them, like, what do, what do you want to hear when you come to these meetings? Like, why would you come to these meetings? What do you need from these meetings? They, they said, uh, the word is hope. We need hope. We need to hear some hope. Um, you know the way things are these days. That's what they were saying. You know the way things are these days. Okay. I said, yeah, we need, we need hope. So I was interested. I said, well, uh, what, what would that be like? Like what would that, what would hope look like if you heard it, you know? I asked. And um, there's one uh, person in myself was 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 thinking it was important. She really wanted to hear uh, like, the way she prefaced it was, you know with everything going on in the world as it is right now, right? She would like to hear from the church like something really clear so that, so that what? Help me, Dan. What, how'd it go? Because Dan was there at the cell, and it was like, I want the church to be really clear, to speak really clearly about the kind of things we're facing now, and that we can take action together. <laughs> Something like that? I'm not misrepresenting. And I was like, yeah, okay, like, cool, like, about what, you know? And then... Like you, I won't get into the specifics, but she mentioned like a couple of like really controversial like political things that are in the news. Fill in the blank. You know, there she went. And uh, oh man, I felt it because we were like we had ordered a pizza, and the pizza had just come when this conversation started. And like I didn't want the pizza anymore. And I was like, oh, here it comes, because I felt like a big like felt like a big disagreement coming. And, you know, like, if you've been in a cell, Like, you could, like, rock your cell, right? So, I was like, oh, man. I I was really, like, I wanted to answer this because I was getting really, um, man. I mean, the pizza was already ruined for me. So, I was like, okay, here we go. Um, I wanted to say, yeah, but the problem is we're just not smart enough for what you want. The church is just us. Like, it's just us. And I'm, like, dumb. I can't run a country or, like, decide law or, like, I don't know. I try to, like, pay attention to the things. But, like, the, things are a controversy, right? Because, like, people feel really strongly a lot of different things that, like, oppose each other. And it's going to say something about two sides. But it's not even, like, is it is it even two sides? No. <laughs> no, it's a lot of... Right. the problem problem is we we don't agree even here this little tiny little cell we're trying to do we're not smart enough and we're probably not going to agree on I don't know that thing you want to hear I don't even think any of us are smart enough to even start to try to be right about all the things I I thought she was really asking for a lot but I I didn't want to I don't know. I just didn't want to have a fight, right? I didn't. I just didn't want to have a fight. So instead, I thought, um, well, if that's not hope, right? If that's not real hope, then what would be? And I was thinking about it. I'm like, how would you know hope if it came down and like sat on your lap? You know how would, how would you know? Because you might be sitting right. Hope might be sitting right next to you in that cell in somebody's living room on Wednesday night. You know, and you could never. Realize it. You might never realize it.
2: Before I talk about what I,
0: how I think we're going to like recognize hope, let me show you uh, something else. Somebody, a uh, Christian person, somebody who's very sincerely following Jesus and um, had this kind of hope. And um, where it went. Because uh, it's a great story. Uh, have you guys ever heard of Jean Vanier? Or Jean Vanier? I'm so happy I get to introduce you. This is going to be great. You're going to love this. Some of you might have heard of the thing he started, which is called Larsh Communities. It's they're like international and all over the world. And um, let's take a look. He died this week, but man, what a, what a life. A man or lived with a severe mental handicap.
1: The incredible cry that is coming from him. What I, would, what I would call the primal cry, which is, I think this do is, love me? Can we go back to the zero-zero? Zero. I think this is a little too far in. Right? Maybe I'm wrong. Every time I see a man or a woman with a, a severe mental handicap, incredible cry that is coming from him. What, what I would call the primal cry, which is, do you love me? It's Very deep cry. And you find with people with mental handicap, this is there, do you love me? Why have I been abandoned, or has my life any value? Somewhere this cry of, do you want to be my friend, Uh, touched me. I began visiting asylums, hospitals, different institutions, families, and I discovered an immense world of pain which I never, never could have imagined. So I discovered all this world which I hadn't even imagined existed. And it seemed very clear to me that, that Jesus was asking me just to take one or two men and to start living together. So I was able to buy a small, broken-down house, and I welcomed two men, Raphael and Philip, from an institution. Raphael had had a meningitis, He couldn't walk very well, he couldn't speak very well. Uh, Philippe had had an encephalitis, one arm paralyzed, one leg paralyzed, living in a world of dream, but also with quite a severe mental handicap. We began to to live together. I did the cooking, so we didn't eat very well. We uh, did everything together. We cooked, we uh, worked in the garden together. We fought together, we prayed together, we forgave each other. And so a whole sort of journey began. Little by little I began, you see, I began by thinking that I could do good for them. (laughs) But then as the days and then the months moved on, I began to discover what they were doing for me, transforming me, changing me. I thought I was going to teach them something and suddenly I was discovering that they were teaching me quite a bit. When Jesus says, whoever welcomes one of these little ones in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me welcomes the Father or the one who sent me. And when Jesus says that I was in prison and you visited me, I was sick and you visited me, I was naked and you clothed me, I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty, You gave me to drink. I was a stranger, I was strange, I was different, and you, you welcomed me. It's really true, and uh, I never knew this, I mean, I read it in the Gospels, but I, I didn't know what it meant. And I must say that there is what I've learned from people like Eric, that what is important in human relationships? Is discovered that God has led us together. I feel that very clearly for myself that it was Jesus who brought me to handicapped people and I know the day that I welcomed Raphael and Philip. I knew and I know today that it was an irreversible act that in welcoming Raphael and Philip, it was a covenant that I was entering into. Thanks.
0: We're going to see a little bit more of uh, Jean talk, but are you getting a little bit of the the feeling of what, what he did? I mean, he didn't set out to start an um, international organization um, that's all over the world. He didn't really set out to revolutionize the way that developmentally disabled adults live, but he's kind of doing it. Um, he was relating to Jesus and felt led. And I find a lot of, um, find a lot of, lot of hope in that. I find a lot of hope in that, moment by moment relating. Um, this little experiment of his went on from there and um, he's not talking about it directly. I was looking for a clip, I had to find two clips. One where he's talking about this early experience that he had and kind of this experiment he did. And more about what that became, because when other folks saw what he was doing, uh, they wanted in on it, and people started doing what he was doing. It wasn't a thing in the world until he did it, and what, what am I talking about specifically? But you know, there are many of us who are, uh, like, like me, I'm not as smart as some other people, and some people don't have... We're all in this continuum, and some people are at the place where they can't take care of themselves, like for their whole life, right? And what becomes of these people? And you could deal with these people in the most efficient means possible, and that's kind of been the the way it's been done for a long time, or at least in the modern. Um, I'm only talking about the last few hundred years. The idea was to go very efficiently, but um, Jean Valjean's finding something completely different. Um, in the large communities the people who work with the disabled folks they live there it's not like a job where they're paid hourly they live there and they become everything is um, centered around relating and doing things together and the one you know it's not like the one is the caretaker and the other is being taken care of everything's done in this sort of mutual way and let me try to show you a little piece of video about that this one's longer maybe we'll skip around a little bit in it but i want you to get a view of uh what it looks like when
1: i was teaching philosophy in canada a priest friend of mine asked me to come and meet his new friends because uh, he discovered something very beautiful in these people with disabilities and he this was a, to a, discover a that. priest at the
0: time
1: I had difficulty communicating with them, but I was touched because really each one, through his body or through his eyes or through his word, was craving for a relationship. Do you want to be my friend? Um, Will you come back? So everything was around relationship, whereas with my students in philosophy it was around ideas. Then another question, which was quite evident in their faces, in their bodies, the way they held themselves and so on, was why am I like this? Why have I been abandoned? And so there's something incomprehensible in appearing on this earth. And then nobody wanting him. Then I started visiting psychiatric hospitals. In one institution I met two men and both of them with their parents had died they were just shoved into the institution without asking their advice so i just asked them if they'd like to come and live with me and i knew that that was an irreversible choice and but i knew it was right it was good and i was able to buy a house not far from here and um, i was able to go through all the administrative difficulties and questions setting up an association charter and so on. and so it grew very quickly The name Lash uh, is a beautiful name. It sounds gentle, it is filled with gentleness. And uh, the actual symbolism behind it is Noah's Ark, because Lash means the ark and uh, Noah uh, welcomed people and the animals into the ark to save them from the flood. And uh, Many people with disabilities are caught up in the flood, so they're being killed off because they're not wanted, killed before birth, killed after birth, or shoved into institutions or whatever it is, and they're just not given the place of their freedom. (laughs) Let's see people with disabilities as, as people who can bring a message to our world. They're not capable to do big things, they're not capable of working hard, but they have something else. They have a power of communion, they have a power of communication, they have a power to cooperate with others. So anything where we're just tending to eliminate people because they're not going to be well received, for me it's very dangerous. (laughs) Jesus says this, When you give a meal, don't invite the members of your family, don't invite your rich neighbors or your friends, because if you invite them, then maybe it's because you want to be invited in turn. But when you give a really good meal, a banquet, a fiesta, invite the poor, the lame, the disabled and the blind, and you shall be blessed. You shall be blessed. So the discovery that the meal with the poor with the broken is a benediction then quickly discovering that eating together is not just having a plate of spaghetti together not just having a piece of bread the signification is much deeper the biblical signification of eating together is covenant it's friendship what the bible is saying is if you eat with the poor, the lame, the broken, the disabled, and the blind. You'll become their friend. So there we discover a new face of God. God is not an old guy up in the heavens telling people what to do. God is a little child. God is a lover. God is somebody inviting people into friendship, because that is the secret of people with disabilities. They're not asking for knowledge, they're asking for friendship. So, the meal is then the celebration of friendship where God is present. That's
0: probably good. Gonna... Was that, that worth spending 15 minutes of our meeting on? Yeah. So. yeah. I, think we're, I think we're weak. We're so weak you know, in the world, the church is a weak thing. Jesus was a weak thing in the world,
1: you
0: know? Mm-hmm. how quick did Jesus get stamped out in the world just like that, you know? Um, so talking about hope, coming to this meeting and receiving hope, um, we're not going to earn it, you know? We're not going to earn it by having the right ideas, Thinking about it hard enough, working at it hard enough, you know, we're not earning here, you know. And I think, don't you, don't you start to taste that a little bit with this graceful, graceful man, you know, who's discovering something. You know, none, none of us could ever have gotten there, maybe. You know, he's showing us the way. He's following Jesus, learning something new, creating a new thing in the world. Um, I don't know. You might not even see the point if you're looking for efficiency, but wow, so much more, right? Than um, efficiency is being is happening here. Um, hope. Let me just think about this. When you go into a Catholic church, right? What's the? They're all design. All the Catholic churches are designed this way. As soon as you log in the door, what do you see? Jesus on the cross. Yeah, <laughs> you see a, a realistic. Uh, depiction of an execution usually it's life-size right? this is like a uh, rated R image actually right maybe worse it's a depiction of an execution it's like as soon as you walk, boom it's there always almost always I love it I love this because it's like undeniable right you go into the building for hope and what do you see you see uh, execution in progress realistically depicted and 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 if you stick around for a few minutes you'll learn that's God up there yeah that's our hope it's, it's not like uh, you know to, to try to have the right answer to try to have a strong church it's just not it's just not what we're doing I mean I, I kind of wish the church was strong too in a way and really right and really Able, but um, I don't think that's what we're following here. I don't think that's what what we're following. Um, So when the hope comes, I think we're going to recognize it this way and see if this jives with what Jean Vanier is doing. Um, I think when the hope comes, you know, it's not going to be like a well-worked-out plan, right? It's not going to be a complete set of knowledge. Because what it is, it's it's not knowing, right? Like when the disciples are see Jesus on the beach, they're not sure really what's going on. And then there's something weird going on there, because evidently it doesn't look exactly the same. Because there's this they know it's him, but they don't say, hey, it's you, and something something weird is going on. A little bit mysterious. Knowing, trusting is, is gonna be part of the hope, right? We don't get the whole picture. I think um, our hope is not without risk. I think that there's always a risk in there, right? Remember in the story, Jesus said, to the end, he says, "Exclamation! Follow me!" Exclamation point. Hey, Peter, you know when you were young, you did whatever you wanted to do, you went wherever you wanted to go. You're getting older pretty soon. Somebody's going to take you where you don't want to go. Follow me! Exclamation point. Like. You know, he's talking about Peter dying. You know, the kind of death that Peter died. You know, he went all over and talked to all these people about Jesus. And it got him in trouble. And he got crucified like Jesus. And Jesus is like, follow me. You know, following the risen Lord um, through death. And when you walk into a Catholic church and you see that execution uh, in progress, it's like, that's God up there. That's you up there. You know, we're all condemned to die, right? Eventually, we're all going to have to go through that. The hope is we have Jesus afterwards, who's unencumbered, is not quite the same. He's relieved. He's, he's still telling us, follow him. Follow me. Follow me. What do you think about that um, on the other side of the boat thing is all about? do yeah, I think that is. I have an idea, but I'm kind of curious what it says to you.
2: I always thought it was like inside joke. Yeah? Because he did something similar when he called them the first time.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and remember the first time he went to them and he called them, he was like, follow me, exclamation point. And they dropped the nets and went. They were fishing, remember? It's like this full circle thing going on. Right? It's like, yeah, keep, keep remember when you followed me the first time? Remember that? Follow me, follow me, follow me, do it again. I said, um, you, you don't get it like a complete program, like a complete set of knowledge. It's not like that, it's trusting, right? I said that it's not without risk, right? It means dying to rise, right? Um, I don't think the hope comes like a once and for all hope, like, hey everybody, church has it worked out now, uh, feel free to come at us. <laughs> right? We got it all worked out, we got all the right answers, I mean, did Jesus, like, really, like, if you read the, I mean, you've read the Gospels, right? Jesus is not your answer, man. He's, like, not giving people the answer that they want. He's often giving them questions, you know? Yeah, the hope doesn't come as a once-and-for-all kind of thing. It's right here in the moment. It's sit down and have breakfast with me. Or it's like you've been working all night? Well... Throw it in one more time. See what happens. you tired of, of working? God knows all about being tired of working. Came and worked, you know. God worked through the earth and got sick and tired and stuff. One more time. Keep at it. One more time. Try again. Um, finally, this is my last note. I don't think the hope is going to be something that you're going to be able to enjoy very much, um, like alone. Like I don't think you can like look up the hope on the internet and read it and like be like, yeah, I I agree with that hundred percent, totally jives with me, and we're cool. And now I'm full of hope. That's like not even real. Right? <laughs> like, you know, um, I think like what Jean Valier is saying here is like you don't even really know the hope you need, and we're not going to find it in uh except by within this relationship, right? Um, I said I really like the, the the Catholic Church and the way they're set up. But somebody somebody could say, well wait, you have Jesus up there dying, and we're not following the dying God, we're following the risen Lord. And uh you know intelligent, eloquent Catholic person I think would say, yeah, the the risen Christ is manifest in this whole community you see surrounding. This, all these people here, all this life here. This is the risen body of Christ in the world, still here. I like that image a lot, and that's that's who we're trying to be. Um, you know, hope is always depicted as like that anchor. If I ever, I'm never going to get a tattoo, but if I did ever get a tattoo, I'd do that because that's pretty cool. And I'm kind of traditional. Anchor on the bicep, something. And think about an anchor. Uh, being the symbol of hope, you know, heavy, heavy, heavy thing. Do you ever see these things in person? They're huge. I mean, does that what I'm saying does that really feel like something that could anchor you down? Something that you're not going to completely know. You're not. You don't get the full indexed reference volume necessarily for what everything going to be in the future. No, we don't know. The secrets are a hidden mystery. You know, even Jesus on Earth, not so intelligent. He's saying things like, only the Father knows that. Right? What a limitation. It's not without risk, right? Does that sound right? Can you find hope and still have risk? Right? Like, 100% hope isn't like 0% risk at all, not at all. And uh, that it's incremental, it's not all at once, it's something moment by moment, right? And that it's something that we have to find together. Cool? All right. What do you guys think? About, about that. We, we can talk. We have talk-back time all the time. I said a lot of stuff. Might have stirred up something in you that somebody else really needs to hear. We probably have, like, a couple of minutes for that. Although we went, we did go kind of late, didn't we? We'll
2: be okay. Okay.
0: I really wanted you to see the video. I thought the videos were good.
2: Yeah, I want to say something about the video. I was... I was uh encouraged by the, even just Jean Vanier's simple storytelling where he kind of told the same story twice. You know, like, you don't make something big unless you just tell the simple thing you did and don't get tired of it. You know, like, I think that I, I'm really always wanting to, like, have something new to say or, like, something novel or, like, have some new inspiration from God like every day. It's like, no, like, that one thing you did was pretty revelatory, and you can tell that story and change the world, you know, over and over again. Because I, 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 noticed that he said, "Irreversible." Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. it's their call. Do you love me? Yeah. Like that's kind. Of, those are like some of his catchphrases, and I, I appreciate that kind of that kind of simplicity, too. Yeah. I
0: imagine that. He discovered that kind of simplicity. Because you can tell he's a smart guy and he seems really educated in the beginning. You know, entrance into the, at least back in the day, entrance into the clerical order, you had to be smart. You know, you know it wasn't for bad students. He seems like a smart guy. But um, Henry Nowen also wrote about this. Henry Nowen spent some time at the large community and he said, he talked about how revolutionary it was to be so educated, so smart, so well-regarded by students, and now you're in a relationship where none of that matters at all. And what matters is you you being there, being just kind. And you'll never know until you, until you do something like that. Dan's got some music for us, but I don't wanna cut out anything you wanna say.
2: Jess has them. I,
0: um, I was really, I really enjoyed those videos. So thank you for sharing them. Just because um, I'm like officially committed to an, a major as an inclusive education which means like I, the likelihood of me getting hired as a general education teacher is like slim to none because I will get a certification as a teacher of special needs. So like, this is going to be my whole life now. Like I'm Yay. dedicating my life to this. Thank you. And it was really, it was really just inspiring to hear that because like I'm absolutely terrified because like it's not it's not an easy job. It's not an easy thing to find hope in. But I really, I just really like that. It was really nice to see. What's the world going to learn from you doing what you do? You know. I know. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.